Hello and a pleasant welcome to you wherever you may be. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. I'm Chris. There's Scott and Christian's to my right. Guys, you know what to do. What's up? Hello. We enter week three. <laughs> well, Scott? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> howdy ho, neighbor. <laughs> it, does sound, it does sound like Wilson from Home Improvement, doesn't it? Well, howdy, howdy ho, neighbor, Tim. Yeah, that was a – let me try that again. Hello. <laughs> there, there we go. Take two better than the first one. All right. We, we enter week three, and a lot of undefeated teams, some winless teams, and then there's some in the middle – but this is a huge week as region play opens for a lot of teams around the area. We're going to touch on some of those games tonight and this week. Uh, we'll touch on some of those games this week. And we're going to have Mount Juliet head coach Trey Perry with us, as well as Lebanon head coach Chuck Gentry ahead of their big region clash. Also, we want to get back to a couple of notes from week two. And then at the very end, as usual, we'll pick them all in who you got. It's a loaded show for you, so let's get started. First off, I think Oakland may have just scored again, guys. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. 86 points against Kenwood. And I, don't, I did not get to see as far back as the last time somebody scored 86 points in a football game. It's probably been a few years. You'd still be searching, probably. Or you'd come across a uh, Oakland basketball score from head coach Troy uh, Bond out in uh, Murfreesboro. That's, that's a bunch of now, points. Now, I, I do know that Trousdale County, I think, had 90 in a game in the 90s, but I, that's as far back as my memory serves at the moment. Um, but you know, when you have a game that just goes like that one did, you know, what's the mindset got to be if you're coming out of that loss? Well, you really just have to put it behind you. I mean, at that point, it's it is what it is. You, you've especially uh, that you're playing that when Oakland is playing their third, fourth string, uh, you know, against you. But you you just have to forget about it. It's, it. it's a loss. It counts the same as whether you'd lost eighty six to eighty five. You got to put it in perspective who you're playing too. I mean, Oakland. It's not. It's not going to be just this team that they're going to get the best of. There's going to be some teams, even in their region, they might not score 86 points. But you got. You got to think about that team on the other side of the ball. I, I think you're right. You just got to move on. Yeah. Just, I, you can't. You can't dwell on it too much. I, Oakland is playing as as complete a football right now as you can be playing. I, you look at this. The the stats aren't flashy. You know that. You see, and they did give up two long touchdowns, to 80 yards apiece. But after that, if you deduct those that 160 yards, they gave up four yards in that game. They gave up four yards passing and one yard rushing. Kevin Creasy's bunch doing it in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. And it's looking like an unstoppable unit right now through two games. And two shutouts to start the year, or not two shutouts, but you know, two large margins of victory to start the year and uh, the Patriots look like the juggernaut that we kind of thought they might be yeah and I will say this I'm not going to downplay that region too much but and I know Blackman's had some tough teams that they played and we're going to get to them in a moment but uh looking around that region some of the scores and some of the records right now you were kind of looking at what teams could compete against Oakland right now you and especially after they put up 86 points I can't find a, a good choice well you mentioned Blackman you know, they played in our game of the week last week. They hosted Ravenwood. This was a very good football game, Scott. You know, you were there and got to see that 16-13 win from Ravenwood. Yeah, first off, I, I just want to comment on what a great facility Blackman has. The Inferno is an outstanding place to, to watch a football game. And the two student seconds, sections were fun. They're involved. I hope it's going to be that way this week. I'm sure it will be. Uh, really, it, it was a – the first half was all Ravenwood. They start the game out fast. They started with a 57-yard touchdown pass, Garcia, to Mason. That puts them up. They go on, and it's 14-3 at a half. And really, Ravenwood has dominated that game, although Blackman did move the ball, especially late. Uh, Garcia got another touchdown pass to his big tight end, uh, Brenning, uh, Brenningstool. Second, third, the third quarter was Blackman. Blackman's defense – uh, they got another uh, – they held Ravenwood the entire second half to three points. It was a big three points because it was the margin of victory. They got a touchdown late 
We're actually got the ball back with a little over a minute left, and we're driving. Managed to get the ball to midfield. Some interesting play calling there. There was uh, there was a some it was run heavy in a time when the clock was running. My understanding was there was some kind of miscommunication. Uh, they had to use a timeout, and they just ran out of time. You know, if there's another minute on the clock, who knows? That game could that game very well could have gone the other way. So it it was a really really good game with a lot of really good players in it. Yeah, this is what Matt Daniels, Ravenwood head coach, had to say after the game on Friday. Thank you, thank you. Um, that's a pretty potent offense. Your defense did a wonderful job shutting them down. What do you prove that? They did. You know, it's it, it's just working hard all week. I mean, that's a really tough offense to prepare for. Got a ton of different formations, and you know they're bread and butter. You saw it in the second half. They pound the ball. They got some big boys up front. Got some athletes that they can get it to in the backfield. Lots of misdirection. Uh, you know, for a high school defense, you have to stay disciplined. Uh, you got to be physical. You got to hold your ground. And, and you know, there were times where our guys wore down a little bit, but they stepped up when they needed to. I'm really proud of our defense. How they're yeah, they did a really good job there at the end because it was they were starting to move the ball. What did you tell your guys there at the end that you know they shut down that the offense when they finally when uh, Blackton started getting some momentum? Yeah, two things: dig deep and stay the course. I mean, keep doing what we've been practicing all week. We know what's coming. You know, they're really not fooling anyone at, at that point. You know, we know what's coming. So uh, it was about grit at the end, and, and they dug deep enough. So yeah, uh, the uh, you know when you opened up the game, you opened up with passing tag. Hit that first play. How big was that? It was huge. You know, we've really emphasized this year starting fast. What better way to start fast than you know calling a calling a big play on uh, you know the first play of the game? It's two weeks in a row we've scored on the first play. I can't ask uh, you know for for our kids to execute better than that. You know they, they got all the jitters out and they just went out there and executed. So extremely proud of that. It sets the tone. You know, set the tone for the first half. Really, minus the score, you know, we didn't finish a couple of red zone drives. Uh, we, we dominated that first half. They dominated the third quarter, and then we were able to put a, a drive together and take some time off and, and just hang on just enough. Yeah, it was an outstanding game, Coach. Congratulations on the win. Good luck on the season. Thank you so much. I appreciate right. it. Take care. Thank you. Now, probably unlikely that they score in the first play three consecutive games in a row, but who knows? Um, just a, a very, very talented team digging deep and, and getting a, a close victory like that that's got to be big for their confidence going forward well franklin's got to be on their toes for that first play in this friday because you know they got to keep that streak alive oh yeah I, I agree ravenwood uh the thing about them is the quarterback the quarterback play in that entire region is very strong uh brentwood uh, with granzow and then you look at independence with ethan cash and garcia with ravenwood that that's probably probably the best three the trio of quarterbacks you can name and just the quarterback play around all the other talent there that's a uh, very strong win and I tell you what about Blackman that's a uh, one of several teams in this area 0 and 2 that's not an 0 and 2 team it's just a schedule they played if you're 0 and 2 and you've played Alcoa and Ravenwood you're not you're right you're not an 0 and 2 team yeah there's a reason they're still going to be ranked because of that schedule I mean it, it's an it's an 0 and 2 team that you know they they have no reason to even worry about it Blackman 0-2, NBA 0-2. There's some several teams, and that's what I like. They've gone out, and these teams in the area, some of the big dogs around, they're not going out and scheduling some games of let's just get through this one. They're, they're challenging themselves, and I think coaches realize that's more that's the most beneficial thing you can do once you get to November. Yeah, and Garcia is a, is a heck of a quarterback for Ravenwood. That I don't think I've seen a, a prettier pass on that first, that first lob, that post pattern. Uh, it's it's great if you get a chance go to our twitter page or our facebook page that video is up there and you can see uh just how pretty a pass that was always got to get this in your first look at luke Akers, kicker for ravenwood what'd you think well the first look at him um he he missed oh well that's not good he's a ucla <laughs> guy right I he think is he's a already ucla committed. guy yeah I, I was standing right right next to this fellow on the sidelines and uh, uh he was really intent on watching him I, I looked up the picture later. It was his dad, <laughs> but uh, he um, when it counted, he came through. You know, it was a three-point game, and that three-point field goal he kicked, twenty-eight yard field goal with pressure on, that was big. That's a new record for the first kicker mentioned on this podcast. By the way, just wanted to throw that out there. As quick as we've gotten to it, <laughs> you were minutes. trying to beat me to it this week, weren't you? <laughs> Nine minutes it took you guys to get there. So uh, congratulations on that. I guess we move on. Uh, a little bit of a tough story out of Montgomery County. Uh, 
six players ejected in the Montgomery Central West Creek contest after a, a, a scuffle near halftime of that game on Friday. All six players are going to have to sit out this week per TWSWA rules. And you know, just a, a rough situation when you have any sort of ejection for for stuff like that, especially for two teams that need those players. Yeah, it, it occurred right after a West Creek interception. Um, it, it really is interesting, though, to me that there were uh, five on West Creek ejected and one on uh, Montgomery Central. Now, the Montgomery Central player that was ejected – was uh, Lakendra Sanders who had already scored? He had he had scored both Indian TDs. So it it really was kind of interesting how you get that many ejected. Now my understanding is they're going to appeal. There uh, was some talk that that would possibly happen. Um, you know, the story in the Leaf Chronicle said that uh, I believe one of the coaches said they had a couple of his guys that were ejected that were on the sidelines and weren't involved in it. So they were going to try to take a look and make sure that that wasn't. I read that article as well, uh, and yeah, Coach James Figueroa was told by his, one of his assistant coaches that two of the players that were ejected weren't even on the field. Now, but he also said that he needed to go back and look at the tape. Yes, and they may have done that, and we, we don't know the status of that appeal if there is one. Uh, still an unfortunate situation for for those schools. And I say this, unfortunately, it's become more of a trend in high school sports, not just football, everywhere, basketball and. It's a mixture of problems. I think this one wasn't so much fan related. We've seen some fan related stuff mm-hmm. go on in the in the past couple of years, but uh, it's tough. You just and you hear coaches, and it's so true. Like we want you to play competitive. We want you to to be hyped and, and be energized. But you got to you've got to stay within the rules of the game. And uh, th- there's a there's a line of crossing. You know, from playing tough, playing physical, to just getting out of hand. Controlled aggression. That's what they're trying to coach is situational aggressiveness well and it costs this team now i mean you you lose these guys for uh, a week next next week and and you're playing region games so that's that's a huge loss that's five players and likely at least one or two of them are two-way players now now you've lost seven position players if you are west creek you've lost your best running back if you are and i believe he was also uh well you've lost your best running back if you're montgomery central so well, on a lighter note and a better note, uh, let's move on to our Player of the Week discussion. We had a lot of great performances in Week 2, uh, starting with Spencer Briggs and Gallatin. 313 yards, a school record for rushing yards on, get this, only 14 carries and four touchdowns in, in their 50 to nothing win over Station Camp. They, they, they took the Mayor's Cup back with authority last week, 22.4 yards per carry for Spencer Briggs. And I was told by some of the Gallatin coaches that his first two carries – were very minimal yardage, so he, he, he turned it on after the first two that first two attempts. Slacker. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, another strong rushing performance for Amari Jelks at Stewart's Creek. 266 and three scores on eight carries. Now, 33.3 yards per carry is nothing to sneeze at. He got a, a short night of work as Stewart's Creek rolled 69 to six over Antioch. So, so those are my two real stud performances from week two. Christian, who you got? Yeah, a couple players. Nick Symptomfelter, a guy we brought up last week from BGA, 15 to 20, 302 yards, four TDs uh, as they uh, play Father Ryan. Then also Parker Deaton of White House Heritage, uh, seven carries, 151 yards, three touchdowns over East Robertson. I also want to throw in one more, the one I saw live. Uh, John Overton, quarterback, it was a losing effort against Wilson Central. Actually, brother of Theo Jackson, who plays at UT right now, Dwayne Jackson, uh, three touchdowns, uh, 232 yards, uh, over 50% completion percentage, threw a Hail Mary at the very end to uh, score on the final play of the game. Uh, I thought that was a nice individual one that I'd throw in there. We're just going to start. He gets an extra pick all the time while we just call it the composing. Not extra. Started. I just thought of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like this is like the third time you've done this. What, yeah. What's going on yeah. here? Did, did He's somebody, just bringing that little extra. Did somebody <laughs> slip you an extra, a different rule sheet? I'm, I'm just trying to figure that out. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the Sampton Helter was our player of the week last week, so yep. he's on the list again. He's had an, off to an awesome start for BGA. Uh, Scott? Well, let me stay with BGA then because what I'm looking at uh, is who's on the other end of those passes. Antonio Stevens, uh, the wide receiver for BGA, seven catches, 182 yards, two touchdowns. I also have uh, Logan Nardazzi from Fairview, 
four catches, 157 yards, two touchdowns, and a kickoff return of 82 yards against each. Excuse me, against East Hickman. Mm. Big night there. Um, yep. Want to mention Briggs real quick. Jordan Mason had the rushing record at Gouts, and he said that a couple of years ago. Of course, he's now at Georgia Tech playing for the Yellow Jackets there. Mason was on the sideline to watch his record get broken Friday night because they played Thursday night. He came back to Gallatin on Friday and saw that live. So, uh, well. Somebody knew something. <laughs> he he might have he known something we didn't. I don't know. But uh, Spencer Briggs, 313 on 14 carries. He's my vote for player of the week, guys. What say you? Uh, how, how do you argue with 300, 300 yards rushing? That's a lot of yards. Yeah. <laughs> on 14 carries. <laughs> Sounds unanimous. Spencer Briggs from Gallatin is our player of the week for week number two. And we will be right back after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. So now we move on to our question of the week. Uh, last week we, we talked about what the biggest surprise of week one was. Uh, State uh, Stewart's Creeks went over Mount Juliet, one out there. A uh, little bit different route this time. We mentioned Mount Juliet. They have their open date last week. It's, it's pretty early for a lot of teams. And Trey Perry will be on shortly to talk about that. Uh, if you're a head coach, I'm posing this to both of you, if you're a head coach, you're making out your schedule, and you have your choice of when you want your open date to be, when do you want it? Week six. I would want it just a little after the mid midway point. It gives me a chance to uh, get healthy, uh, although it does depend on your schedule layout, of course. I'm going fall break. I know that's not an exact week, and it changes for every season, but first off, if you've got a home game, it's going to hurt your gate if, uh, if fans aren't there, the students aren't there. Most of them are out of town. Uh, and usually the, that fall break falls right around two to three weeks left in the season, and most of your region games are packed in there at the end. I think that's – most teams have it set up that way, so I'm going to go with the way it typically is right at fall break. Yeah, I kind of agree with you right there, Christian, because you know, fall break tends to fall right before those final three weeks, and you, in a bigger region, they're all region games. In a smaller region, they're not necessarily all region games, but they're important nonetheless. So. There's so many different things I talked about. If you're playing a home game, the gate, you're not going to have many people. You know, it's tough to get students in there to practice whatever time you want to on a week where they don't have school. I mean, you got to make sure your players are there and make sure they got rides. I think it's just nice. You're still going to practice some, but it's not as critical as if you had a game that Friday. I, I would agree. I, I see your point, and that's a good, excellent point. I know that when I played back in the day when they didn't have face masks on the helmets and things of that nature. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when we got off for fall, uh, when we got off for fall break, it was a family vacation time, and so we were able to do things with our families that week. It's not that way now, so that that may be a good way, you know, that may be a, a good way to look at it. When I was in high school, we didn't have fall break. Fall break didn't exist for us, so you know, we basically had to go through the schedule. And when your when your open date was is when it was. But I agree with you, Christian, because of this, and a lot of coaches agree with you too, because. Fall break for a lot of schools falls around that October 11th week. That schedule, if you look around the mid-state, is very, very thin. There's not a lot of games being played that week. So a lot of schools are out that week, and the schedule is kind of slim. I will also say this. I'll bring up one other point. Either that fall break time period, you want your bye week there, or possibly even the week before. Because, too, once again – and I'll, I know I keep bringing up the gate and the money that you're bringing, but so many teams, you know, they, that's, that's how they make money. Uh, if you play that Friday and students know they've got – they're out of school next week, good luck. They're out of town or whatever. So uh, I would think anywhere around that fall break, it's just right now the way they've got it set up in so many teams this year. I know Mountain Juliet this past week, were, they were on their bye week. So many teams, they have it set up that way, and I think it's just the most beneficial. Well, that brings me up to another question. I know that um, – I'll just make this brief, but should the TSSAA schedule a second bye week during the week before, the week of, and the week after, and split it up? That way, you're resting more kids. I don't think I don't think it's a good idea because now you've got to extend the schedule for one week. And which way do you extend it? Do you extend it at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year? We're already starting at hot enough weather as it is. We don't need to start in August in the middle of August when it's really bad. I will agree with that. However, what it does do for you, it does. Right now there's a, and this is a discussion for another time, but when we talk about referees and availability, this allows you to stretch out your resources. This is true, but here's the thing. You know, right now the semifinals in Division One are Thanksgiving weekend. 
you push that back, and now you're looking at the quarterfinals for Thanksgiving. You've got to find officials who aren't doing stuff for family who are available. You have to have more Even officials. More now. Yeah, you have to have double the number of officials available that week. I don't think it would work very well in that situation. And from a coach's perspective, too, for that, that double bye week, you already talk about having to to get those kids in practice. You give them two weeks, and they just you know you're not working really towards a game, or if you are, it's three weeks off. You already hear some coaches talk about how difficult it is just to get to the opening season, just to get there. I just I think you'd have a hard time arranging those guys in and practicing for two and a half weeks. Anyway, we're going to move on. We talk about Mount Juliet. Head coach Trey Perry joins us next. You are listening to the Six One Five Preps podcast. Hey, just a reminder that Mid-State Preps Plus is looking for you. We currently have openings for sponsors on both the Mid-State Preps Plus website and the 615 Preps podcast. Contact us at midstatepreps at gmail.com for more details. Got Mal Juliet head coach Trey Perry on the line with us. Coach, how you doing? I am warm for September. <laughs> it is warm for September. Yeah, it's still pretty warm. Uh, you guys had a bye week last week. Um what did you guys do to kind of put week one behind you? Well, first of all, you know, it's, it's no tap dancing around the fact that a week two bye week is weird um, in and of itself. And a little bit of that has to do with, you know, what the last couple teams have done here and, and the scheduling format TWSAA presents. And, and it makes it tough. But I started working on the schedule in October and did not finish until March in the – only way we got to finish it was placing somebody in the fall break slot mm-hmm. and leaving week two open. But having said all that, it probably couldn't come at more of a timely. Uh, other than the fact that you know, you, when you when you don't win a football game, the, the next thing you want to do is get back out there to fix that. That's all, one way I've been envious of basketball over the years in baseball. So this this was sort of a layoff. But you know, we needed to fix us. Um, we talked about a lot during the bye week that our opponent was Mount Juliet. And uh, I think we got some things worked out and hopefully uh, uh, shortened our rotation a little bit. And uh, that's, you know, uh, again, to expound upon something we talked about earlier uh, as, as a staff, in fall camp, we scrimmaged three good football teams and really we, we did a good job. I mean, it. You know, an overall analysis of that was that we did well. We came out pretty healthy and, and did what we needed to do. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think sometimes it's the hardest job to pull the trigger on, does this guy need to rotate or does this guy need to play or do we need this play in our scheme when you're having success with it? And we did that in the fall, and, it, and that, you know, it sort of came back to bite us a little bit. But to say all that, Stewart's Creek's a good football team, I think, as the season goes on, uh, that'll sort of flesh itself out and people realize that they, they got a pretty good ball club over there and I think it'll be good for us in the, in the long run. After that loss, so what did you feel like you learned about your team coming out of week one? We didn't quit. I, you know, what I already knew going into week one is that we had 18 starters out of 22 and then in the first series of the game, our best player goes down, Lee Bowen, uh, with a knee injury and then in the second series, I think, our center goes down with an ankle. And, uh, you know, now we're looking at 20 new starters because they were two returning guys for us. And, and we didn't panic. I mean, we actually scored to go up 7 to nothing, drove back down the field, over the ball into the end zone, uh, recovered it. Well, thought we recovered it in the end zone, but uh, it was ruled it was recovered outside the end zone. It was fourth down. And so we had an opportunity to go up 14 to nothing right there. Didn't do it. And and Stewart's Creek does what good football teams do. They took advantage of that. But we took the lead again in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I felt like we kept fighting and, and, and didn't have a ton of panic. And and there's some things we saw that was pretty good. And there's some things we saw that was glaring mistakes we need to fix. Now that you've got that little two-week preparation for Lebanon, uh, what do the Blue Devils present? to you guys that's going to be a challenge for your kids this week? Well, here's the problem for us. You analyze our schedule. you got Stewart's Creek's team that's now undefeated. you got Lebanon team that only lost to Gallatin. Next week we play a Gallatin team that's undefeated. And next week we have potential to play Wilson Central team that's undefeated. Uh, just kind of, you know, playing out the schedule if, if the favorites went out. And 
you know, but nobody feels sorry for us. And, and you know, it's a, it, it, when you get into a 6A football, those, those kind of challenges present itself. And, you know, Lebanon specifically, Chuck's done a great job there. Uh, he hired people that uh, he knew that were, were loyal and, and understood the process that wanted to get done. Scott Walters is former assistant principal at Mount Juliet High School under Mr. Mel Brown. Scott knows how to run a school. And, you know, Lebanon, as you and I both know, always had the talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it was just walking the hallways or going to other places. Chuck's him that in, and, and they've got, again, tremendous talent. Uh, it, I feel like when we're preparing for them and looking at them, they have to look the look of a Rutherford County team like we went against them in week one. Uh, they they absolutely dismantled McGavick last week. Obviously, we were able to see that. But schematically, I feel like offensively, they're – uh, they're, they're balanced. You can be balanced and not throw the ball a lot. And I know you kind of know what I'm talking about when I say balanced. You can have a I – mean, we were this way last year. We were balanced, but it was an inside-outside run game. And right. then throw it over the top when we need to. And they've got that. They've got a senior quarterback that's uh, that was an all-region defensive player. So he's got a lot of guts and, and uh, a lot of moxie and poise. And, and then, you know, Lebanon last year statistically was really good defensively anyway. And – we look around and see a lot of those same guys there and doing the same things. They pitch the shutout Friday night. So it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, and you look back at last year's game against Lebanon. It was a really close contest. They nearly pulled off an upset. But uh, I guess you kind of you kind of can't take them the same way you did last year, can you? No, uh, and, and I would probably say that they would say the same thing with us. Um, you know, we had so many guys that had so many – games under their belt and playing experience and had we not with the night that we had last year we wouldn't have won the football game um you know with i've never been and i hope i said it after the game that night and I'm, I'm standing by it i've never been in a football game like that before in my life and i hope i'm never in one like that again where we actually put the ball on the ground 10 times and, and lost seven of them and somehow found a way to win the game at the end uh, obviously defensively we had a great night but um then you can also say, you know, that wasn't all self-induced. A lot of that was Lebanon, too. But I don't think too much of that carries over. But then again, we coach teenagers, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people kind of want to see this rivalry get back to what it was. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how the rivalry is kind of progressing again, given Lebanon's resurgence? Well, I hate the cliche, but I really, I really believe in this, and – and I want our kids to. I, I love. I mean, I've been a part of some big rivalries my whole life, and I love what it brings. I think it's better in high school football than college or the NFL. But ultimately, we got to be one and zero on Saturday in the region. I mean, that is paramount in a really good region, and and in, and matching up with potentially, obviously, a really good region across the way. You know, you start. You, you can look at you know this that or the other but the bottom line is half the region will be undefeated on saturday and half of them won't have a win and uh you know when you when you play out the string you always want to be in a situation where you're on the top end of the tight breakers and and not the other way around but having said all that i've been at mount juliet now for 14 years and i understand what it means to the old timers i understand what it means to the people in lebanon um you know, before Mount Juliet split into Mount Juliet and Wilson Central, it was Mount Juliet Lebanon, and it's been that way for a long time, and it's been a really good rivalry, and, and you're right, I mean, it's back because both football programs are experiencing success, and it should be a great night of football. I got over there when y'all scrimmaged beach, and I saw your dad, Roger, still walking around, still kicking at it. Uh, what, uh, what What's he up to now? Well, he's up to 100 miles an hour, just like he's been the last 40 years uh, and we you know we try to slow him down quick story is a couple of weeks ago he was on the mower he got off the horse and he felt bad and and uh which for him means take a five minute break and go back and uh finally we, i got to the point where i watched him i won't go into detail what was taking place right. but i took him to his doctor and next thing you know he's uh passing gallstones and had to, had to have the gallbladder removed almost immediately and but the good news is that was three weeks ago and 
today he walked in at lunch with sweat all over him and said, I've been moving the sled around and after I mowed. So, um, same old, same old. If, if, it's like my, uh, I think it was my 25-year-old assistant coach that I wish I had just a quarter of the energy that he has. <laughs> well, you know, we're getting to that point of the year where <laughs> I know you're a big hockey fan and, and hockey season's about to kick off too. When that starts up, are you going to have any free time at all? No, I, I don't know. I, I'd almost answer the question the same way right now, but uh, but but no. And let me tell you what I've done. And I've got some people, uh, namely a, an acquaintance with both me and you and Kyle Lane, is going to be upset about this because he doesn't know it yet. But Uh-oh. I've uh, I've had to sell some of my ticket uh, early on. But there's a silver lining to this whole thing. I'm going to Dallas on New Year's Eve and being part of the of, of that great deal. So, How about that? Uh, so we're we, we're bouncing things out, and I'm gonna, I'll get back in the arena when I can. Well, I guess we're I'll, gonna make a trip out of it this year. I guess I'll see you in Dallas because I'm headed down there too. So that'll be a Sweet, big good time. Right. It'd be a good time. It'd be a good time. Uh, Trey, I really appreciate this. It's a great time to to talk to you always and. Like I said, it's always good to talk to you, and I know we'll catch you down the line. All right, man, that sounds good. Thank you for uh, this, and thank you for everything you do for high school football. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Trey Perry, Mount Julie, Golden Bears, and they've got Lebanon Friday night. So we will take a break, and we'll come right back. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Hey, folks, a quick reminder to check us out on social media, on Twitter at 615 underscore preps, on Instagram at 615 preps, also our Facebook page, Midstate Preps Plus, and you can email us at midstatepreps at gmail.com. All right, got uh, Lebanon head coach Chuck Gentry on the line with us. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on with us. No, uh, we tried to get you in week one, but the uh, schedule didn't quite work out right. I, th- I know you had some stuff at the fair. How was that experience for you? Well, the Wilson County Fair is a good thing, and, and uh, my, my family, my, my wife, my two daughters really enjoyed it, but uh, as football coach, it's one of those things on a Wednesday night, late, you know, you want to get in and, and get out as fast as possible. <laughs> understand that. Uh, now, uh, that week you had Gallatin uh, a loss to start the year, but you bounced back this week, this past week with the McGavick and a big win there. What did you guys learn between week one and week two that allowed you all to bounce back? Well, uh, you know, we uh, we felt like we, uh, we shot ourselves in the foot too much, uh, Per se against against Gallatin, and we wanted to make sure we could took care of ourselves. And uh, you know, we saw you know, we, we're not we're not good enough to give teams uh, extra chances, extra opportunities. And uh, and we wanted to make sure that we uh, we controlled ourselves and took care of the football and, and tackled better and, and lined up you know lined up properly, better technically. You know, just all the things that you hear all the football coaches say. And, uh, you know, we, we were much better week two than we were week one. And so, you know, the old saying is you always get better, you know, from week one to week two. But, you know, it, it was uh, an experience uh, to, to go to Gallatin in a good environment. And they've got a good football team, much improved. And Coach Watson and his group have done a good job. And, uh, you know, he showed us what we needed to work on. And our, our young men went to work. And we had a good good week last week. What you kind of mentioned the the improvement from week one to week two. It's a little interesting that you've got Mount Juliet, who essentially is going from week one to week two since they have the open date. What kind of challenge does Trey and his his guys present to you and your kids? Oh, a big one. You know, I've said it uh, several times, and, and for the past couple of years, Mount Juliet is a measuring stick in Wilson County right now. You know, their program, you know, deep in the playoffs last year, played Oakland pretty much as close as anyone all year, and. Uh, you know, they just keep it rolling, and, and you know, they, they're going to come in off of a, a loss for the first time in a while, and, uh, you know, we expect them to be hungry, get that bad taste out of their mouth, and, you know, good football team, well-coached football team, so we have uh, definitely got our hands full, for sure. Well, when you took the job at Lebanon, one of the jobs was, was getting this rivalry back to where it once was. How far along do you feel like that is in the process? Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I had somebody come up to me today and said, Coach, I win, lose, or draw. I appreciate you because we got some of the old school excitement slash mud throwing hatred back of uh, 
about Juliet and Lebanon. I said, well, you know, maybe we're not throwing mud. Maybe we ain't hating each other. But I sure like to go out there and have a good hard-fought football game and leave it all on the field, check hands afterward, win, lose, or draw, you know. And for having a big crowd, a good atmosphere, people enjoy it, something that the people of Wilson County can look forward to and be, be proud of, you know, both teams. Yeah, and, and this game isn't just for bragging rights. It's for playoff positioning possibly too. How important is it to, to go in there with just the right mindset and, and get possibly get a region win to, to break out of that race first? Well, you know, it's just a first-region game. It happens to be the defending region counts for a couple of years running. You know, the measuring sticks. So, you know, our, our mindset and our attitude has got to be we got to come ready to play. And, you know, once from day one, when I took the job at Lebanon High School, one of my one of my goals was to make the playoffs, and the next goal was to have a home playoff game because it's been a while, and uh, you know, Mount Juliet stands in that way. You know, to uh, eventually, if you want to be a region champion, you got to beat Mount Juliet. If you want a home playoff game, you probably need to beat Mount Juliet. And so, uh, you know, they're the they're the barometer, the measuring stick, or whatever you want to say, and. Uh, we look forward to the challenge, and, and, and I'm hoping our kids come out with the with the right mind frame and attitude to, to square up and see if we can get the job done. And your kids came close to beating Mount Juliet last year. You know, What did that do for, for their confidence coming into this week and knowing that they were close last year and that they can compete with them? Well, you know, I think it, it did leaps and bounds for the confidence for the team last year. Of We went uh, toe-to-toe with one of the best programs in, in Middle Tennessee. And uh, you know we're we're not that far away. We're still we still got a ways to go, but we're not that far away. And the the thing after we looked at it, you know, they didn't didn't play a great game and and, and had some fumbles and things like that. But we had that we didn't execute. We didn't take advantage of those the way we should. And you know we left plays on the field and and so it, it lets them know that we're not far away. And, and you just got our we have a saying keep chopping. No matter what happens, you got to keep chopping, and eventually something good's going to happen. And, and we, we fell a little short, but it was a—I uh, don't—I I don't want to say moral victory, but it, it helped the confidence of knowing, hey, we can line up and play with some of the big boys. Yeah, you know, where do you feel like your squad is most improved over last season? Uh, well, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that we're better up front right now than we were at this time last year. Um, last week, I really leaned on our offensive line, and and we were actually kind of down a starter. And we had one that we held out that that uh, had a little little needing, and and it's, it's it's fine now. But uh, we were down a starter, and we plugged and played, and and we came out and and ran the football uh, well against McGavick, and and. There wasn't no secrets. It wasn't fancy. We lined up and handed it to our tailback and ran off tackle. Uh, and uh, and our offensive line, I say, is is as much improved as, as anybody on our on our team because we were pretty good defensively last year, and I feel like we're we're pretty decent on defense now. Our special teams were pretty good last year. I feel like we're decent on special teams now, but our offensively, it's not where we wanted to be, and. Uh, Last Friday night, you know, we we looked like we had a we had a pulse. Name me off a couple of kids who who you think have really come along earlier this season. Uh, well, our first one is I just left him and he was named Beast of the Week in Wilson County was Jackson Monette. He had five pancake blocks last week and graded out eighty three percent. Our other other tackle man had the highest grade on the team. Uh, you know, those two tackles anchor us. Uh, our tailback, Quante Shannon, is, uh, you know, he had 14 rushes for 140 yards and four touchdowns last week. And, uh, you know, I think he only ran it twice in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, a uh, brief couple is our quarterback. Everything runs through him. He's our leader. And then, uh, you know, defensively, Daniel developed a linebacker for us and, and, and kind of sets the tone and Gresham Gregory is a nose guard who has been in there for three years and, and really really anchors the middle of that defense and, and does a good job of uh, eating up blocks so our linebackers can get it and then uh, Levi Sampson is on the back end and probably had the best game Friday night of his career he had a, had a nice punt return he had two catches he had a pick and a uh, fumble recovery so uh, you know good night for Levi uh, like busy 
busy night for him, for sure. How much fun is it for you right now getting to coach a group like this that's making these kinds of strides? Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I, obviously I love coaching ball, but I love coming to work every day. Uh, you know, I feel like the turnaround at Lebanon High School is not because of X's and O's. It's because we got a bunch of coaches that come to work every day, and the kids know we care. We're, we're hard on them. We get on them. We fuss and complain and coach hard, but we love them, you know. I take kids home, you know, take kids home. I feed them. I do, you know. We, you know, sometimes you got to hug them. Sometimes you, you know, it just whatever happens. But it, it's, it's a fun group to coach. And, uh, you know, like I say, I, I don't, I have two daughters and uh, God didn't give me a boy for a reason. So I inherited about 80 and, 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 and I love them. And, and, you know, it's, it's fun coming to work. It's, you know, it's not fun losing football games, but it's, and it's fun winning football games, but it's more, more to me about the relationships and hopefully making them better men in the long run and, and hopefully in five to ten years they come back and say, Coach, I appreciate you. You know, like my, my staff is made up of several of my former players. And, uh, you know, I have uh, I have fun with that and it's, it's, they tell old stories about me and I don't believe them all. But, uh, you know, it's, it's it, that's the part of football that you love is that you, you build a relationship with these kids and it, it uh, it's fun. What would a win over Mount Juliet this week mean, not just for you, but for the program itself? It, it would be a huge, huge step in the right direction. You know, we're not hinging everything on one game. But, uh, you know, like I say, Mount Juliet is the measuring stick. And a win this week would go a long way in saying, hey, we're we we're right right here ready for this whole playoff game. And that would that would help, help us a lot. Well, let's – Let's hope it's a good game and everybody stays safe and uh, we'll see what happens Friday night, Coach. Good luck to you. Really appreciate the time this week. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on and hopefully hopefully we can do just that and be, uh, be healthy and win a football game. That's Lebanon head coach Chuck Janishry. They have Mount Juliet this week in a big Wilson County region battle. Who you got is next. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. It's that time of week again. We're ready to give you our take on who's going to win these big games Friday. It's time for who you got. Guys, let's get right to it. Centennial at Independence is our first game. Centennial last year defeated Independence 62-40. I don't see it going the same this year. Uh, Independence that might have cost them a home playoff game to start off the playoffs last year. I think the Eagles are going to be ready. Give me Independence. Yeah, boy, this one was tough. Uh, Centennial gave up 341 total yards uh, last week. I'm going Independence here. Make it three for Independence. I think that the Eagles are, are in a little bit better position right now than, than Centennial might be. Uh, I think the Eagles win this region game and, and get a step forward to the playoffs there. Uh, next up, Stewart's Creek and Clarksville. Stewart's Creek off a 2-0 start. Clarksville at 1-1. And Burt Brown's bunch has, has been one of the surprises of the early season. And now they've got a region game. They've got to go, they go get one. Yes, they uh, they're already one and zero in Region Five Six A. They're off to a great start, two and zero for the second straight year. It's a young school; they never started three and zero. I think they will this year. I think they go to Clarksville and the Red Hawks get a win. Yeah, Clarksville got into uh, Springfield and ran into a Hornets uh, Yellow Jacket nest up there. Uh, turnovers, mistakes. You can't do that against Stewart's Creek. I think Stewart's Creek takes this one. Yeah, I like the way Stewart's Creek's playing right now. Um, yeah. It is a, it is a, a, big, a big deal when you have a chance to do something you haven't done in school history. Going 3-0 and for them would be a, a huge step forward. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Stewart's Creek as well. So that's three for three there. And, and the Red Hawks put a big kink in that entire region lineup, especially with Cane Ridge and Smyrna being 0-2. That, that region right now, only two weeks in, about to go to week three, that thing's upside down uh, as the full region schedule gets going this week. Yeah, we've got a tw- Twitter poll pulled up as well. We record on Wednesday night right now. Uh, Independence, 86% to win against Centennial. Stewart's Creek, 95% against Clarksville. So a lot of people siding with us right there. Uh, next up, the only game on this list with two teams that are 2-0, and Columbia and Summit. Uh, Summit made short work of Spring Hill last week. You know, Destin Wade scored four times for the Spartans. But Columbia's shown a solid defense. I'm going Columbia here. 
We're going to change it up a bit. Columbia defense has been solid. They haven't put up a lot of points so far. 17 points a game through the first two games compared to Summit's 34 points a game. Summit off to their first 2-0 start in school history. Let's make that 3-0. and And they're right. Yeah. You, you said it. The other team trying to go 3-0 for the first time. Wait's the X factor here for me. And I got to go with Summit just for that reason. Uh, next up, another surprising 2-0 team, White House Heritage at Springfield. Springfield 1-1. Yeah, this one, this region looks like it could be a, a, a rough multi-horse race here with the Springfield kind of taking a step back. White House Heritage is trying to get back in contention after a couple of very lean years. Yeah, Springfield, it was tough week one getting past some of the graduations that they had a year ago. Go to Wilson Central. They rebound last week. I think they do it again. Last year they beat White House Heritage 37-6. to I think this one's much closer. White House Heritage, a much improved football team. But I think Springfield, they find a way to get the job done. I agree. I, I like Springfield here. I, I think that getting that game behind them, that opening loss, getting the kinks worked out, uh, the rust worked off, these, these new players, I, I think that the streak for White House Heritage ends here at Springfield. Uh, Heritage, you know, they're, they're starting to get some more experience, but they haven't been in this position in quite some time. Uh, I wonder how they're going to handle the, the success that they're having right now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Springfield here, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Heritage somehow just decides to pop them in the mouth and, and pull off an upset there. So three for Springfield. That, that poll is 57% for White House Heritage as of right now. And of course, that could change before kickoff, but Right now, Heritage is the Twitter voters' favorite. So we move on to Wilson Central at Rossview, another surprise 2 no team, Wilson Central. We'll go up to Clarksville to play Rossview. Yeah, i tell you this. I saw the Wildcats last week. They haven't gotten a lot of a bunch more talent in there. They're just using what they've got very well. They've got a, a trio of running backs that Coach Brad Dedman's using. Uh, and I tell you this, this Rossview-Wilson Central matchup, this is kind of a battle for that fourth playoff spot in uh, Region 4-6A. I'll tell you this, I think Wilson Central wins this one. I don't think we'll have them on our on our board next week. I think they win next week as well. And as Coach Perry said, there's a good chance the Wildcats go to Mountain Juliet and it's, they're a 4-0 ball team uh, in a couple weeks. I'm going to disagree with you. I actually think Rossview has, has a chance here, uh, and I think that they're going to pull it off. Uh, they, they're giving up yards, but they're piling up the yards uh, as well. They've got a solid offense. And I, I, the, the Wildcats have made mistakes, and sooner or later that's going to bite them. I think this is the week it does. I'm going to take Wilson Central here, and I think that they do get to Mount Juliet 4-0. Uh, I like what they've got going right now. Whether they make mistakes or not, if, if they do, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm taking Wilson Central, and – the Twitter voters can't decide. It's 50-50 right now. So I'm telling you, it's a huge game in that mm. in that region. When you look at the other teams, it's Lebanon, Mountain Juliet, Hendersonville at the top, and then it looks to be Wilson Central Rossview fighting for this final playoff spot. And that's that's huge knowing that going into a week three game. So that's a that's a one of the bigger ones we've got on this board. Davidson Academy and Nashville Christian is up next. Both these teams have already had their open date in the first two weeks. Davidson Academy 0-1, Nashville Christian 1-0. And this is a rematch of a playoff game last year. Guys, what do you think? I tell you this. Uh, we talked earlier about when you want the bye weeks. I think Davidson Academies came at a, at a good time. 30-6 uh, to six lost FRA. It's a good FRA team. But I think Davidson Academy needed that break, and I, I, I like them uh, over Nashville Christian in this matchup. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think that uh, the Bears going to be really angry. Uh, coming into this game. Uh, nobody saw that coming, and I'm sure they didn't see that coming week one. I think Nashville Christian plays them tough, but I, I just can't go against Davidson Academy here. Yeah, I find it hard to, to go against DA as well. Uh, just feel like Davidson Academy still has enough talent to, to really do some damage. Uh, one game's not going to define their season, and this one won't either, but I've got Davidson Academy winning this one as well. Next one is a big is a big region game in Class 2A, Trousdale County at Watertown. This has been for the region the last couple of years with uh, both teams claiming one. Um, Trousdale County, 1-0, they had their bye week last week as well. Watertown, 
This is a weird one. You bring up Trialsdale County, and they've already had their bye week. They beat Friendship Christian at Friendship Christian 14-0 week one. But then you look at Watertown, and a team that's put up so many points the last couple years. They put up 19 against Gordonsville week one, and then 14 at Nolansville, a really good Nolansville team. This was one of the tougher ones I had to pick. I'm not even sure I've really made up my mind yet, but I'll go Watertown. I mean, that it's, it's tough because one game for Trousdale County and Watertown's offense, they just haven't looked the same to start 2019. Yeah, I, I see that this is a tough, tough game to call. It really is because you don't know what you're getting with Trousdale County. Uh, one name I'd look at is Deramus Carey. Uh, he, you know, he had 11 Texas Gordons, but I think that it's going to be Trousdale County's defense that carries this game. I'm going to go with Trousdale County. Yeah, these two have played some really defensive ball games. The playoff game last year, though it was in some pretty bad weather, was a defensive struggle. Um, I like Trousdale County in this spot. I think their defense is going to make the difference here. Watertown's having to replace some kids. and you know, Trousdale County, to me, is, if not the favorite in 2A, they are one of the favorites in 2A. And I think this is the week where they start to prove it. I'm taking Trousdale County here. Next up, Lipscomb Academy at Franklin Road Academy, FRA 2-0, went Lipscomb Academy 1-1. Trent Dilfer's bunch had it handed to him by Pope John Paul II in the second half last week. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back at FRA. Yeah, FRA's playing really, really good ball right now. Uh, their offense is really clicking. Uh, Lipscomb coming off of that, uh, as you said, that tough matchup, that loss to uh, – Pope John Paul. I think Lipscomb is getting better every week, but I don't think that they're going to pull this one off. I think FRA wins this game. Yeah, I agree. FRA scoring right around 35 points a game to open up the season. And uh, you, you saw last week, Lipscomb Academy, it was such a high for week one, and they, they put up 60 plus points. And then uh, you talk about JP2, uh, they came in there in that second half, did some work. I just I don't think. Uh, the Mustangs are ready just yet to compete with a team like FRA. This is the game for me for Lipscomb Academy that's going to kind of define what they are. You know, Glencliff week one, week one. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have beaten up on Glencliff. That that wasn't really a surprise to me. Last week, JP two I thought was a better team to begin with, being in a higher classification. That wasn't a surprise to me. This game right here with FRA is really going to define who Lipscomb Academy is and what they are this year. I'm going to give Trent Dilfer's bunch the benefit of a doubt right here. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Lipscomb Academy in this one. Oh, I wanted to do that so bad. I just <laughs> – I, I, I couldn't convince myself. Yeah, you look for reasons. You, you do. You look for reasons to, to – you really want to like this team. It's just – it's really hard to pull that trigger. And even if my – if they could have had just a little bit better showing at JP2, it's just the – that second half, like you said, JP2, 33 points overall. It just it left a sour taste in my mouth going into this matchup with FRA. I'll say this. Twitter voters are, are loving the road teams this week. Uh, didn't mention a couple of the last ones. Davidson Academy, 72%. Trialstow County, 73%. Lipscomb Academy, 74%. Ooh, wow. There's a trend going here, and it continues in our next game, which, as we just found out a little while ago, is now being played at Gallatin. Hillsboro travels to Gallatin this week. This was supposed to be in Nashville, but it's not anymore. And this is a monster game in 5A as far as this region is concerned. Oh. At the beginning of the year, this was a three-team race, and it was three games that were going to define this region. This is the first of those three. Yeah, Hillsboro was just flat out taken to the woodshed by Ensworth last week. You know, they have to be angry about that showing. And they they got to be really, really uh, ready to take it out on – a region opponent, but the Green Wave, they just keep rolling. I mean, Spencer Briggs going off, they just keep, you know, you know, Coach Watson has that team believing, and they're making me a believer. I'm going Galton in this game. I looked at this Galton team, and I picked against them week one with Lebanon, and, you know, with the first – with the coach in his first year at a school, you just kind of wait for that time where they slip up. They haven't done it through the first two weeks. But you know what? Even though that they get the game moved, even though they got to drive out to Sumner County, I'm going to go with Hillsboro. They got a really good running back. This this game's going to be a, a pound and ground game uh, with Covington uh, for Hillsboro and with uh, Briggs uh, for Gallatin. I, I think Hillsboro gets the best of them there. They were 
nudged just a little bit last year. Gallatin got the best of them. I think they respond this year. Well, part of it to me is Hillsborough still doesn't have their stadium ready, and it's probably not going to be ready at all this year. It makes it difficult on a team when you don't have your home digs to play in. And now that they're not going to be able to play at TSU this week, they have to go to Gallatin. This is now turning into a road game for them. And it's such a critical game for them to to have this happen. Uh, Gallatin's playing really good football right now. Briggs is running these lights out. i got to go with the green wave right here. And, and you make a good point. It is now an away game for Hillsborough. Not only does the team believe, but that stadium believes. And it's going to be a hostile environment. So – you know, it's going to be tough on Hillsborough coming in there. And I'll give it to Gallatin. All of a sudden, they just they they started out the season with two consecutive home games. All of a sudden, they've got a third. Hey, you know what? If you're Hillsborough and that stadium might not be ready and you might not have a home to play in, you just kind of have to get a road mentality because, you know, you, it doesn't look like you're going to be playing at home for yeah, a little while. Yeah, Gallatin's mm-hmm. going to have to give that home game back probably next year when Hillsborough Stadium is finished. But for the meantime, they're okay with that, I'm, I'm a pretty, sure, pretty certain. Uh, at 91% in favor of Gallatin this week, too. So, you know, it, it's leaning toward the green wave all the way around. One more game to get to, our Mid-State Spotlight Game of the Week. We've talked to both coaches in this game tonight. Mount Juliet at Lebanon. The Golden Bears off their open date, 0-1. Lebanon now 1-1 after their rebound win last week. I think we've we've gone all over about it with Mount Juliet them losing their 27 consecutive regular season streak. And, and that bye week, they had to – you know, this early in the season, you wouldn't think that they needed to heal up, but they had some injuries that Coach Perry talked about, and I think it was a good time for them. You know what, and this has become a rivalry. Coach Gentry's come in there, and they've, they've made this thing a uh, – it's, it's the talk of the town in Wilson County. Lebanon has not defeated the Golden Bears since 2008, and I think that continues. I think that Mountain Juliet, they get back on track, and, and they've got to. This, this is almost for the region championship early in the season, but this is uh, Team 1A and 1B – I like the Golden Bears. I, I, I that stat you put out there that Lebanon hasn't won since 2008 that that jumped off the page at me. Uh, yeah, Lebanon is is putting it together. They they are, and they they've got road graders up front. Mount Juliet, I who knows what their health is like. Um, you know, you know, do they have their quarterback? Uh, do they have their offensive line? There are a lot of questions. 18 new starters. I don't think that it goes any further than this. I'm going Blue Devils in this game. This is such a hard game for me to pick, you know, just because last year it was so close and Mount Juliet's injuries are, have been an issue. But, again, they're coming off an open date and going into their second game. We're going to find out how much better Mount Juliet actually is. We might actually see more of who they are this week. And – Lebanon's close. They're very close, and I think this rivalry is going to really be good for a number of years while these two head coaches are in place. For right now, though, I still think Mount Juliet might be the better team, and I think that they're going to win a very close one. And This is going to be key come playoff time. I've got Mount Juliet this week, but, hey, Lebanon wins. I won't be surprised. The one concern I had with picking the Blue Devils in this matchup was the struggles they had against Gallatin week one because Gallatin, you know, they want to run the ball. And Mountain Juliet, you know, it's not a similar scheme, but the Golden Bears want to put it on the ground. And if they got to throw it, they will. I just got to see the Blue Devils, you know, stop the run. Uh, Mountain Juliet, you know, you said it. They struggled week one, but let's see. This this is a huge game in this region. And uh, like you said, I, I think it go either way. Well, there was a struggle for the Twitter voters as well. It's 60-40 right now in favor of Mount Juliet, but that could still change before kickoff on Friday. Uh, so we'll see how how they turn out. Uh, last week the Twitter voters went four and six. Christian, you went four and six as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. <laughs> I didn't have a very good week either, but uh, six and four keeps me in front by a game over Scott and Scott. Um, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> I was beginning to wonder if you were going to mention. Well, this. I, I, after, I, I brought after, you up last. Are you well, okay? Are you well, happy now? Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, I am. Scott's <laughs> eleven and nine after a seven win week last week, so we'll just throw it out there for and, you. And out on a limb again this week. It looks like from the picks. So. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I still think I'm going to be in front by the time this is over, but who knows? Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I've got some work to do. Yeah. Well, we'll see about it next week. That's it for us. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for you know, all the interaction on, on social media. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Uh, you know, 
go to the website, midstatepreps.com. We have more content coming for you later this week. And uh, we will see you guys next week, and we'll be talking a lot more about uh, some big football games around the area. For Scott Burton, for Christian Capozzi, I'm Chris Brooks. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Thank you all for joining, and have a great week. See ya. Bye-bye. Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media LLC.